informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Wednesday, July 12th, 2023. It's the Feast of the Seven Sons of St. Felicitas, Martyrs. A wonderful story that's very reminiscent of the story of the Maccabees during the Roman persecution by Emperor Marcus Aurelius. They were slaughtering Christians left and right. And this mother, St. Felicitas, and her seven sons refused to pinch incense to the gods. And so what did they do? They decided to put these seven brothers to death. And they made their mother, St. Felicitas, watch. And what does she do? Instead of encouraging her sons to betray our Lord Jesus Christ, instead, she thought, I desire that none of them survives because all will be my companions in heaven. She says the opposite is also true, that if my sons were to remain on earth, it is because they apostatized, and I do not want this. What a beautiful thought that this mother would have for her sons, that more than anything else, she desired the salvation of her kids' souls, and she knew That if they were to survive, if they were to stay on earth, well, then they would be going to hell. They'd be on the path to destruction. A very, very concerning thing. She says, lift up your eyes in heaven. Look up, my children. There, Christ is waiting for you. Fight for your souls. Stay firm in his love. Now, his, this is the way that her sons died. Her son, January, died under the blows of whip lined with lead. Felix and Philip were killed with sticks. Sylvian was precipitated from the top of a rock. And Alexander, Vital, and Marshall had their heads cut off. A very, very sad way to go. And St. Felicitas was kept alive for four more months, enduring the suffering of her sons, enduring the death of her sons. And then only afterwards was she then executed by having herself be beheaded. So let us think about this today, about this holiness of one, the mother, but especially because her feast day actually doesn't come until November, of her sons, the seven brothers, how our Lord loves brothers, how our Lord loves families, that seeks to do his will in all things, that are willing to die for the love of God. So let's keep that in mind today. Let's meditate upon that, and let's praise these wonderful brothers. And, you know, uh, during the after show, I think I'll read y'all the entire account of what happened because Pope Gregory the Great gives a beautiful exhortation on this uh, the meditation on these seven brothers, and I think it's absolutely tremendous. And think about one other thing. The fact that the seven brothers, the seven wounds to the mother, and how that parallels to the seven wounds of Our Lady, the seven sorrows of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So let's meditate upon that today. The seven martyrs, the seven sons of Felicitas, martyrs, pray for us. Pray for us. Uh, Good morning to you. Today is Wednesday, July 12th. 
And so you are halfway through the weekend, congrats, halfway to the weekend, rather. You know, congratulations. We're almost there, almost made it. But uh, today, joining us right now is actually Tito Edwards. But there's something different about Tito today. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, what, uh, what is it? That, there's something that you just look um, wiser, maybe? Yes, um, that's it. <laughs> more knowledgeable. Um, I don't know about that one. <laughs> maybe uh, trying try to figure out what it is, uh, what it is about you that, that looks different. Uh, there's a rumor going around that is actually your birthday. That's a vicious rumor. <laughs> That's actually true. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. Like, yeah. uh, who is making these rumors up? Well, it's true. Well, so there you go. Oh, thank hey, you. Thank you. you. Oh, wow. Thank you very much, Taylor. Uh, thank there, you, Adrian. There you go. Thank you, Taylor. So uh, today, <laughs> who are you, what do you got planned for today? We are going to a steakhouse for dinner tonight. Nice. Nice. Yes, yes. That's very Get some exciting. protein. I love steak. Oh, steak is, it's uh, hard is to my dispute steak. I mean, just a steak, no salad. <laughs> yeah, Monday, I uh, I, st- I stopped at uh, at the grocery store and uh, made myself a steak just because. No. Just Grill it? And, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It was good. It was good. So I, I, I'm a good huge, for you. I'm a huge steak fan. And whenever I can uh, afford to go to a steakhouse, whoo-wee. Uh, birthdays are a good excuse to, is it going to be a taste of Texas? Taste of Texas. Do you like it when they come to your table and sing to you? Uh, it depends. De- <laughs> it depends. I don't. <laughs> it depends on the situation. If it's, uh, if they're going to sing the happy birthday song, I hate the happy birthday song. I, same here. It's horrible. Yes. If it's, uh, Las Mananitas, I like Las Mananitas. I think it's very beautiful. Oh. So it just depends. Um, and also happy birthday is notoriously one of the hardest songs to sing. It's like nobody sings uh, sings it on pitch uh. or in tone, and it's uh, oh, you don't want to hear me. It's not good. It's just not good. But until your birthday, though, yikes. <laughs> uh, so speaking of which, at fifteen past the hour, some good news. Speaking of happy birthdays and good news, Texas organization reports thirty percent spike in adoptions since the reversal of Roe v. Wade. So praise be to God for that. A man who inspired the sound of freedom is responding to his critics. So that would be Tim Ballard. We're going to talk about that as well. And finally, we're going to get to this story. There, there is a woman who was freaking out on the plane about lizard people, and everybody was making fun of her. And there's more to the story. So we're going to talk about that at 15 past the hour. At 30 past the hour, we're going to be talking about Pope Francis's new choice of cardinals. Hmm, very, very concerning. So we're going to talk about that. Plus, next hour, we have our game show, Fear and Trembling. That's coming up in the next hour. So you're going to stay with us, and it's going to be a great time. Uh, But let's begin with prayer. We're going to be praying for your intentions. Whatever it is that you have going on in your life, we pray for our friends, our family, our benefactors, and all those that we promise to pray for. And today, especially, we pray for Tito and for his, that he has a blessed birthday and we pray for that and whatever his intentions are. And finally, uh, we're going to pray for the, all those who are suffering from child trafficking and all those involved, uh, both the conversion of those involved and for the protection of our children. And we pray in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Oh, my God, I beg of thee, in union with the Immaculate Heart of Mary, through the merits of the precious blood offered to thee in every sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, to grant that this day one sinner may be converted, one mortal sin be averted, one soul about to die be converted, and in in doubt to be converted to truth, one soul about to die in sin receive the grace of repentance and a happy death and the deliverance of that soul in purgatory which is nearest heaven. 
I wish by this offering to console the heart of Jesus' agony for souls lost through the teaching of error against the true church of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. May thy blood, O Lord, be my salvation. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Thank you, Adrian. Good morning. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Today is Wednesday, July 12th, Anno Domini 2023, and these are your headlines. 1440 is reporting who was convicted, excuse me, 1440 is reporting Leslie Van Houten, who was convicted for a role in a 1969 double murder directed by cult leader Charles Manson, was released on parole yesterday after serving 53 years of her life sentence in prison. LifeSite News is reporting Bud Light loses spot among the 10 most liked beer brands amid Dylan Mulvaney controversy, according to the latest survey. 1440 is reporting a U.S. judge yesterday ruled Microsoft can proceed with its planned $69 billion purchase of video game giant Activision Blizzard. The deal would be Microsoft's largest ever and the overall biggest in the video game industry should the deal close by July 18 deadline. Crux is reporting in the latest escalation of an intense liturgical standoff in India's Syro Malabar Church. A vicar who had defied the orders of his papally appointed apostolic administrator has been removed from his post, though some clergy and laity have refused to accept the decision and launched a public protest. And finally, 1440 is reporting at least 117 people rescued after historic rains caused widespread flooding in Vermont and other parts of the United States Northeast. I am Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. The Gospel of the Day comes from Matthew chapter 10, and it is the calling of the twelve apostles. Now, let's start right here with verse 1. It says, So he called his twelve disciples to him and gave them authority to cast out unclean spirits and to heal every kind of disease and infirmity. Now, the, it's important to note that when he says here, call his 12 disciples to him, he's referring to the apostles. And because we know that there were the apostles and there were the disciples that were called later on, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, with 72 disciples and then the 12 apostles. Now, the other thing to note here is that there is a distinction between the authority to cast out unclean spirits and to heal every kind of disease and infirmity. Now, notice here, because... Many people will say, oh, but the people of the past did not know that there is a difference between demonic possession and illnesses. People would think that they were possessed when they got sick. People would sneeze. They thought they were possessed by a demon. People would have epilepsy, and they would be like, oh, the guy's obviously possessed. No. People in the past are not dumb. They knew what the difference between someone being possessed and able to I don't know, maybe rip chains from a cave wall, uh, which is what we see happen in Holy Scripture, and someone just convulsing on the floor, uh, unknown to them why it was, but they knew the difference between someone who was sick and someone who was possessed. A very important distinction, not to mention, if no one else knew, our Lord knew, because he is God and he is omnipotent, so he would not have given them authority to cast out unclean spirits and to heal diseases if there is no distinction between the two. Now, in verse 2 here, it says, These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, also called Peter. Then his brother Andrew, and then he goes on and lists the names of the apostles. Now, notice here he says, First, Simon, also called Peter. Notice, any time that the apostles are listed throughout Holy Scripture, it's always listed as Simon Peter first. 
Simon is always listed first, and then all the other apostles are lifted, listed after in no particular order. So here he goes, then his brother Andrew, James, the son of Zebedee, his brother John, Philip, and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the publican, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaan, Canaan, the Canaan, I can't say words, and Judas Iscariot, the traitor. Now, this is important to note because there you have first Simon, then you have a mixture of the apostles, which whenever you see list, sometimes the apostles are listed in different orders, but it's always Simon Peter first and Judas Iscariot last. What does this tell us? It shows the primacy of Peter amongst the apostles. And it shows the equality of all the other apostles together, that they're all equal. So none of them, there's not second Andrew, third James, fourth John. It's not like that. It's first Simon, then all the other apostles, and lastly, Judas the Iscariot, the traitor. And this is important to know that Judas is always listed last for he is the son of perdition. And many people will say, well, we don't know if Judas is in hell. We can't know that. Well, if you say that, then you have to say that our Lord is a liar. For our Lord said to Judas that it would be better if you had never been born than you betray the Son of Man. Now, if Judas, like Peter, repented of his sin and returned to Christ and begged for forgiveness, what would have happened? He would have been saved. He would have been restored to his office as apostle, and he would have been saved. And so if that was the case then it would not be better that he have never been born. For it could only be better that you never be born if you end up in hell. And so it's very clear that Judas, being the lessed last in every list, that he is the least of the apostles, and Simon Peter the greatest. Now in verse 5 it says, These twelve Jesus sent out, but first gave their instructions. Do not go, he said, into the walks of the Gentiles, or into any city of Samaria. Go rather to the lost sheep in belong, that belong to the house of Israel. Notice here that the first and foremost, they are there to preach to the Jews. And it is when the Jews reject the message of Christ that he says, all right, well, now we go to the Gentiles. Now we open it up to everyone for they are rejected by the people which Christ came primarily for. And lastly, he says, and preach as you go, telling them the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that applies to today as well. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Are we ready? Are we ready to receive our Lord? For when we die, there the kingdom of heaven is. Will we be welcomed in? Or will we be cast aside like Judas? So let's be like the other apostles. Let's enter heaven. How do we do so? By following our Lord. We'll be right back with more. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to share your Catholic faith with one another. Wouldn't it be great if everyone eagerly shared their faith? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, I accept some of the things the church teaches, but I could never embrace the entire creed because there are some things in it that I just don't have any use for. 
G.K. Chesterton says, you might as well say that there's a great many things in the Encyclopedia Britannica that you don't have any use for. The church, like the Encyclopedia, is meant for everybody and not just for you. It is meant for everybody, which just happens to include you. The Catholic Church is a combination of things that are nevertheless one thing. We cannot accept only part of it without rejecting all of it. Want more than a minute? Visit our website at www.chesterton.org. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. Now, there are some good news, actually. Hi, you thought I was going to say concerning things. But no, there's actually some good news. And I want to start off with the good news story. Because sometimes we get down in the dumps, but we have to realize that the reason why we focus on these controversial things, the reason why we focus in on these things that are very concerning is because we can actually affect change. And there can be positive outputs by people actually speaking out, by people taking action. And this is one of those stories. LifeSite News reports Texas organization reports 30% spike in adoptions since reversal of Roe v. Wade. The Gladney Center for Adoption in Texas has reported a 30% increase in adoptions since the reversal of Roe v. Wade, the landmark Supreme Court decision that legalized abortion in the United States. Mark Melson, CEO of the organization, stated that some birth mothers have indicated that if they had the option of getting an abortion, they would have at least considered it. The data suggested that the availability of abortion has influenced some women's decision to choose adoption instead. This is very good news. People kind of forget that the law is a teacher. And people like to think, we like to pretend that we are autonomous beings, that we just make our own decisions, and that we do what we want. It's a very libertine mentality, which goes along with uh, the perversion of the understanding of freedom in America. Because we say, okay, well, we should be free to do whatever we want, and then people just need to be encouraged to be virtuous. There's a common uh, trope within the pro-life movement. They say, I don't want uh, abortion to be illegal. I want it to be unthinkable. And I'm saying, no, I want it to be illegal and unthinkable. I want it to be both. And it can only be unthinkable if it is illegal. You can't have it legalized and still everybody in the whole country be like, oh, but I could never imagine somebody doing something like that. Well, it has to be legal for that to happen because the law is a teacher. Every single law is a statement of morality. It's a statement of morality saying that this is what we value as a country as something that is moral versus something that is immoral. This goes even to the point of traffic laws. Whenever someone says, that the speed limit is 60 miles an hour, they're making a moral statement. They're saying it is immoral for you to drive faster than 60 miles an hour on this road. If you drive 60 miles an hour in a school zone, why we make that a law? Because it's immoral to do so. Because if you do, you might risk killing someone. You might risk killing a child. And so that's why you have greater penalties for doing that to go speeding in a school zone versus speeding on the freeway. Because every single law is a statement of morality, and it reflects the disposition of the people, which is why we have to have good laws in our country. We have to ban bad things and promote good things, a very important principle that we have to keep in mind. Now, 
the story over here, I think, is pretty funny. The Daily Wire is reporting that the man who inspired the sound of freedom fires back at critics. It's kind of sick. Now, this is kind of funny because of Tim Ballard's, um <laughs> his kind of a jab that he makes at people. And so he says that the he's he's kind of he's kind of laughs at the idea that there's a link to the QAnon conspiracy theory. Now I don't know about you, but I really don't know what QAnon is. Same the here. Only thing I know about QAnon is that uh, what the leftist media talks about is like the QAnon is conspiracy that there is a secret government agents that are working with Donald Trump to bring him back into the presidency, and that's all I know about QAnon. Uh, there's uh, <laughs> I think there's like uh, more to it. And I think it's uh, there's much other conspiracy theories that go along with it. But I'm pretty, I don't know, I, I would like to think that I'm pretty plugged into the conservative sphere and to just right-wing news and politics. And I don't know anything about QAnon, so I don't really know who's into the QAnon conspiracy theory. I don't know anyone who's I, into it. I haven't heard anything myself. I know I read a lot, I read a lot of the left, but I, I, I'm more, as you, very embedded in, in the conservative right and far right and right wing, whatever you want to call it. And I don't, I have not once have I seen QAnon. QAnon always pops up on my liberal feeds and I, and I read those and I keep shaking my head because it just sounds outrageous. Some of the things now I just think that they're using QAnon as a, uh, uh, what's that word when you, a false, uh, false flag. Yeah. False yeah, flag. They, I mean, it's very clear to me that that's what they're trying to do, that they are trying to, encourage people to say uh, hey believe in this hey hey don't you don't you want to commit a uh, act of treason hey hey don't you want to believe in this conspiracy theory uh it's obvious to me that that's what they're trying to do but it's funny because tim ballard is is like how are you you're telling me that a true story is a QAnon conspiracy theory well if that's the case are you trying to tell me that QAnon conspiracy theories are true because this is a true story this is literally literally what i did this is my life uh, Ballard questioned anyone who would want to lie or run interference for pedophiles and human traffickers, calling it sick. He criticized left-leaning news outlets for making QAnon associations without any basis. In response to a critique by author Mike Rothschild on CNN, Ballard expressed his disbelief that anyone would view Rothschilds as a hero and highlighted the real experience of the children depicted in the film who are subjected to child rape and trafficking. He described the connection to QAnon as embarrassing and grotesque, emphasizing that the film portrays a real story. He said these outlets want to hide the truth. And he lists uh, these, uh, the Daily Wire lists these, these, um, these outlets who are promoting that this is all a conspiracy theory. Don't look over here. No child trafficking. Uh, that's the Washington Post, the Rolling Stones magazine, Media Matters, Jezebel, The Guardian, do you listen or read to any of these things? As if you do, just remember, these are the people who are promoting the idea that there is no child trafficking, and they're trying to tell you, hey, don't look over here. Don't watch about child trafficking. We, we don't, we're not concerned. It's, you're a conspiracy theorist. If you believe that there is child trafficking going on, you're a conspiracy theorist. So there you go. It's it's nuts. I think I mentioned I did mention this yesterday. I don't know if it was on the radio, but CBS News had an interview ten years ago with Tim Ballard talking about child trafficking, and they were just gushing over the information and saying, "Well, thank you for bringing this to our attention." And and then the same CBS News two nights ago are doing what you're saying. They're saying all oh, these conspiracy theories of, of ten thousand children being trafficked trafficked into the United States. 
is is a is false. These, these are lies. These are just QAnon and and people with uh, tin hats on. It's now, silly. The part that I thought was hilarious uh-huh. was whenever he was talking about Rothschild. Oh. Uh, he said that the the he, describing Rothschild. He said, as that guy's talking, and he's nobody's hero, by the way. I can't imagine any kid looking at him, thinking he's going to help them out. Ballard said. But I think of the children that are really depicted in that film. I know what happened to them. Those children who were the subject of child rape videos, those children were being sold for sex. And I think that's hilarious because he's like, look at this guy. This guy trying to tell me who I'm, I'm going out here to save kids. And he's trying to tell me that I'm a QAnon conspiracy theorist. And look at him. He's nobody's hero. No child is going to look at this guy and be like, this guy's going to help me out. And I think that was uh, kind of funny and also very true. Now, I wanted to get the story for a while just because I think it's really interesting. And I want to play this clip because there is a backstory to this woman that was freaking out on the plane about lizard people. And many people were calling this lady. She was like, oh, she was drunk. She's crazy. Uh, Don't listen to her. Um, But as it turns out, I think she may have had a point. So let's play that clip and then we'll get some comments about it afterwards. All right, so the internet has heard the story of the woman on the plane with the reptilians. But thanks to her delaying the flight, I just got home, so now it's my opportunity to tell my side of the story as the guy in the hoodie. So we're attempting to fly out of Dallas-Fort Worth, and then basically this woman, she sits next to me, and she's clearly been drinking. I'm minding my own business, and sure enough, she sees my hoodie that has this Freemason logo on it. And on top of that, she noticed my ring, so she started to ask questions. Nothing dramatic, just ask me, do I know what these symbols mean? Why am I wearing it? What's the purpose? Yada, yada, yada. And long story short, I basically just say, hey, I'm a Freemason. I even briefly explained how I educate about Freemasonry here on TikTok. Next thing I know, she basically starts to grill me about low-level Freemason and that it's all Satanism and that it's ruled by reptilians and blah, blah, blah. So I simply put my hood up and I started to ignore her and basically just mind my own business. She starts getting louder and louder, and then basically she's like, you know that they worship Lucifer at the top, right? So I, I looked at her dead in her eyes, and I said, I am Lucifer. I heard one individual laugh behind me, so I figured somebody got a kick out of it at least. She starts running up and down the aisles, freaking out, saying I'm a reptilian, and then all this other stuff, she's going to get off the plane, yada, yada, yada. It doesn't show all the footage, it just says that she's trying to get off the plane because of, you know, I'm not going to say it here on TikTok, I don't want to get banned. But then also talking about how, like, I'm secretly also trying to take over the world. So I looked back at the guy that was basically chuckling before, and I winked at him. So I basically whispered something under my breath, saying that, eh, Freemasons don't care to rule the world, we rule the universe. And I looked back at the guy that was laughing before and just kind of winked at him because he started laughing again. Well, I didn't think that she could hear me, but evidently she did, and it actually escalated it even further, and then they delayed the flight, and so on and so forth. So, moral of the story, don't believe everything you hear on the internet. And Freemasons don't care to rule the world when we rule the universe. So, that is the uh, the clip there from uh, this man who claims to be the man who was um, who was on the plane that she was freaking out about. And I have to say, I mean, if that's true, that's who it was, then I can understand why she was freaking out. And the other thing is, there are some people claiming that this is actually that this guy is just uh, a provocateur. It's not real. He's not actually the guy that was on the plane. 
and he actually doesn't believe that the Freemasons rule the universe. He doesn't believe that the uh, in Satanism. He doesn't believe he's Lucifer. And I have to say, and I actually, it's kind of funny because I actually had this conversation yesterday. Uh, people were trying to say that um, Satanism isn't real. That nobody actually believes in Satanism. No one practices the cult of Satanism. There's no worshippers of Satanism. They don't exist. That they're all just provocateurs. They're atheists. They don't actually believe in any of this. And I have to tell you, when you tattoo your face, when you create this whole persona and you dedicate your life to this, you dedicate your life to irony, then I'm trying to start to think that you're serious. When your entire life is ironic, perhaps you're not being ironic anymore. Perhaps maybe, just maybe, you don't even realize that you have crossed the boundary from being ironic to being serious because whenever you change your entire life so fundamentally that you put something on your face that nothing can change that you have permanently marked yourself for satan i don't think that you're any longer you're no you're i don't think you're able to say i'm just being ironic i actually mean the opposite no, no, it cannot be the case. And so I think that's very important to keep in mind that when somebody claims to be a follower of Satan, when someone claims to be a follower of Lucifer, perhaps we should believe them. And whenever they try to tell you, I was just being ironic, I was just joking, I was just trying to be a provocateur. Do we really believe somebody who claims to be a son of the father of lies? Is that really somebody that we want to say, yeah, that's the guy I trust. Yeah, he's definitely not lying to me this time. Whenever someone lies to you and they're willing to lie to your face and the, for the sake of irony, why why exactly are we are we trusting him? Hmm. Hmm. Very very interesting. So, uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit more about this after the break, but I want to talk about the cardinals that were just appointed by Pope Francis after the break. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the Bible sufficient to answer all questions about Christian living and church life? Well, the answer is definitively no. There isn't agreement on scores of doctrinal issues, such as the effects of baptism, who can receive communion, once saved, always saved, abortion, or how about eligibility for marriage after divorce? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, fruit analysis. Luther, Calvin, and Zwingli, who are the fathers of non-Catholic Christianity, did not rid the unbiblical practices they despised, but instead turned out to be the progenitors of some 50 denominations and scores of divergent beliefs. Secondly, natural reason. Well, if the Bible alone is supposed to clarify all beliefs, the very fact that such division prevails is actually proof that an arbiter of doctrine is desperately needed. And thirdly, the golden twins. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition will always prevail as the foundation of all Christian truth, doctrines, and beliefs. Remember, identical twins come from one egg. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. I love the shows with a Catholic apologist. I love the shows with the sort of day-to-day psychologist, Greg and Lisa Popchek. I love hearing not just of other people's problems who call in, but I love getting the Catholic take on how to deal with day-to-day reality. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Wednesday, July 12, 2023, in the year of our Lord. And these are your headlines for this morning. 
Crux is reporting if you're in New England this summer and looking for a pilgrimage site, you could do a lot worse than the Shrine of Our Lady of La Salette in Enfield, New Hampshire. But hurry, because a century-old mountain haven is slated to close in October 1st after the last priests of the La Salette missionaries assigned to the shrine leave the place. 1440 is reporting AI startup Anthropic releases a second version of its AI chatbot, Claude 2. Company says platform is more focused on preventing harmful responses versus open AI's chat GPT or Google's Bard. So that means it's less truthful. Catholic News Agency is reporting federal charges have been filed against a 20-year-old college student in Ohio for allegedly vandalizing a pro-life pregnancy center in April with graffiti that included the pro-abortion calling card Jane's Revenge. 1440 is reporting Bank of America to pay $150 million in fines, reimburse customers over $100 million for opening fake accounts and charging excess fees. Wow. And finally, Catholic News Agency is reporting Pope Francis has named Dominican Father Stephen Makawa a former active duty military chaplain as the next bishop of Fairbanks, Alaska. The Vatican announced the appointment on July 11th. Mayakawa will take on the role of, a, of leading a diocese that spans more than 400,000 square miles about the size of Egypt, the largest diocese in the U.S. geographically. The 55-year-old Dominican friar has been based in Alaska since 2016, serving as the pastor of Holy Family Old Cathedral in Anchorage, Alaska. Mayakawa was awarded a special medal in active duty for his work as a military chaplain in the U.S. Navy Reserve serving a tour of duty with ground troops in Afghanistan in 2004. I am Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. Now, before we move on, I wanted to uh, say a couple more things about this, this situation with that lady who was freaking out on the airplane. And I think one thing to note as well is um, a lot of these things are real. Like, maybe... Maybe this one guy is happens to be just being a provocateur. However, it gets to something that is a that's something that is trying to be obfuscated. And this is that the devil's greatest trick is to make people think he doesn't exist. And so what he tries to do is to mock Christians. Mock Christians for believing that he exists in order to make it you lower your defenses because if you don't believe he exists you're not going to be prepared for his attacks that's a very very concerning situation and i think that we have to keep that in mind and we have to be prepared for that and it's also very telling that um they will point out the freemasons rule the world and he says, well, in a joking manner, he says, oh, no, we don't rule the world. We rule the universe. And he says that it's a joke. However, every joke is half meant. So what exactly is he trying to say? I think is very clear. And I think that he means what he says. So let's uh, let's not fall into the face tattoo syndrome. Um, it's kind of funny. Ben Shapiro has this point that he made. He's like, uh, people will tattoo a something onto their face and then whenever you look at them they'll be like what are you looking at <laughs> and it's like what do you mean what am i looking at you put a tattoo on your face of course i'm gonna be looking at it like you obviously are looking for attention i'm giving it to you and then you're pretending that you don't want the attention 
It's a very uh, amusing situation, but it's very true. Yeah. Uh, people will do these absolutely freakish things, uh, tattoo their faces, put piercings everywhere, dress in the most absurd, provocative, or inappropriate manner. And then the uh, same thing goes like when women dress inappropriately and men look at them, they're like, what are you looking at? Keep your eyes to yourself. It's like, well, why don't you wear some clothes? And then maybe people will not be doing that. So very, very important uh, thing to keep in mind yeah. is this tattoo, fa- face tattoo syndrome, as Ben Shapiro calls it. Uh, very, very Syndrome. Good. I like to call it the Meghan Markle Prince Harry syndrome. Uh, there you go. Uh, so here's the other thing that's important to keep in mind today is the whole situation out of Rome. Whew. Rome. If every single day you look over at Rome and you're like, what is going on? What is going on in Rome? And today it's uh, very concerning and it's causing a lot of people some major consternation. And so I think it's worthy of a more of a longer discussion because it really is concerning to people. Pope Francis has appointed a number of new cardinals, and we'll get into how the uh, numbers stack up in a second. But let's start here. There is uh, one in particular person that everybody was expecting to get a cardinal hat that did. And so Archbishop Fernandez, which we talked about before, received his red hat. So he is now a cardinal. And that's very concerning. It was expected, being the head of the Dicastery of the Doctrine of Faith, that's pretty typical that the last few uh, heads of the Dicastery of Doctrine of Faith have all become cardinals. So we're all expecting it. Nonetheless, it's concerning. However, here is the important thing. You may remember a few months ago when people were talking about Pope Francis being sick and he may be dying soon. I have made the point that I don't believe he's dying because he doesn't, it doesn't seem like he's ready to die. That things have not reached a point where he's ready to die. And what do I mean by that? I mean, there's kind of a saying, the the good die young and the evil never die. And I don't believe that Pope Francis will will die until his plan has been executed. And so I said a couple months ago that the way we know that Pope Francis is actually uh, close to death, is actually toward the end of his life, is that if he comes out at the next consistory and appoints a ton of cardinals and starts implementing things really, really fast, then we will know. And then now this happened today where he's announced that he's going to be appointing all these cardinals, which becomes effective October 1st, which happens to be less than, what, 20 days from the Synod on Synodality where people are expecting major, major heretical things to be promulgated. And I'm thinking, whoa, that's pretty fast. And then... Wow. LifeSite News pointed this out, and I was like, oh, my goodness. Uh, Maybe I was more correct than I actually thought I was. In 2015, Fernandez is quoted to have saying, and remember, Fernandez is a close close friend and ideologically aligned with Pope Francis, so much so that he is a ghostwriter for Pope Francis, so much so that he appointed him the head of the Dicastery of the Doctrine of Faith, so much so that he worked with him and had him as a paratus at a council back when he was Cardinal Bergoglio. And so this is, uh, Fernandez seems to know the mind of Francis. And this is what he says. He said in 2015, the Pope goes slow because he wants to be sure that the changes have a deep impact. The slow pace is necessary to ensure the effectiveness of the changes. You have to realize 
that he is aiming at reform that was that is irreversible. If one day he should sense that he's running out of time and doesn't have enough time to do what the Spirit is asking him, you can be sure he will speed up. That was 2015 he said that. That was 2015, and what have we noticed since 2015? Slow and steady, slow and steady, drip, 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 one little thing at a time. And people are like, oh, this one thing, they wait till everybody moves on, and people explain it away, and then people stop talking about it. And then another bad thing, and everybody freaks out. Then everybody explains it away. They say, no, no, it's not actually a big deal. No, no, Pope Francis didn't mean that. No, no, he didn't do this. And slowly, slowly it goes away. People stop talking about it. And then he throws up another thing. And it happens, that's a pattern over and over and over again. It's also interesting to note that he says what the Spirit is asking him. And I don't know about you, but I always say whenever the Holy Spirit, I always say the Holy Ghost, I say God, I say the Holy Trinity, I say the Blessed Virgin, I say I'll do the will of Our Lady. I never say what the Spirit is asking me. It's always just kind of weird. Maybe, presumably, he's talking about the Holy Ghost, but I always thought it was weird how he always says the Spirit. And I'm like, what spirit? What spirit are we talking about? Are we talking about the Holy Spirit? Zeitgeist. It is very concerning. It yeah. is very concerning. And so, and then finally, the other thing is, he says here, you can be sure he will speed up. And what are we seeing now? It seems as though things are speeding up. It seems that as though the slow and steady has gone away. And it makes sense to me that the reason for that is that he is concerned that he is ending his life, that his life is coming to the end. I mean, he is old. His health isn't great. He's in his late 80s. And this is something that is very concerning. He has one of the most stressful jobs on the planet. He has one of the most greatest responsibilities on the planet. If you think the president takes years off your life, imagine how much the papacy does. And so I definitely think that this is a sign that maybe Pope Francis, I mean, who knows, maybe at the end of the year, uh, once the Senate is over, He'll be ready to uh, lay his hat down. I don't know. I, uh, I'm not a fortune teller. I'm not a prophet, nor, nor am I a son of a prophet. But um, it's certainly something that we have to keep in mind when we're thinking about this whole situation. Now, when we come back, I want to discuss more about these appointments because there are some major, major concerns. For instance, a bishop who seems to be aligned with the Chinese Communist Party was appointed. We're going to talk about that. Plus, some reactions that people are having, I think they're not the right reaction. And so we should have a proper Catholic mindset. We'll be right back with more right after this. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. You know what are the two most common questions after attending a non-Catholic church service? Answer, how is the preaching and how is the worship? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, evaluation of worship? That's odd. Who's evaluating worship? Well, here's what really is meant by that. How is the music, the singing, and the audible response of the people? And if that were important, wouldn't that be our Lord's decision anyway? Secondly, Catholic teaching. Worship is fundamentally not tied to music and song, though it can be Supported by music and song, the 2,000-year history of Catholic worship is primarily about the representing of Jesus' unbloody, timeless sacrifice on every Catholic altar. It is that moment when the bread and wine are changed into Jesus' own body and blood. We then participate in that worship by bringing our own sacrifice of self, whether sorrow or praise. And thirdly, my take, the only evaluation that should be considered after a church or a mass is the evaluation of heart and actions. That is, did we grow in obedience to the royal law of love? Help us, Father. 
Hey, Donnie, in what gospel do we find the Hail Mary prayer? The gospel of Luke. Do we worship Mary? No. What do we do? Ask her to pray for us. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. You know, despite the fact that there are crazy things going on in Rome, we should not lose our peace. Instead, our peace should be in Christ and in the Blessed Virgin. Stay close to Our Lady, and I promise you won't lose your peace. Now, there are definitely some concerning things. We were talking about Archbishop Fernandez a second ago, but here is the thing. He's only one of the cardinals that were appointed. There are many more that were appointed, and many of which are very explicit concerns. I obviously personally cannot go into a depth in every single one of these cardinals and would not have the time nor the, uh, the honestly, the desire to go through every single one of these cardinals and research who they are. Hopefully, uh, many people will uh, of other outlets will do so. Maybe we can report back when we know more about the other cardinals. It seems like some of these guys uh, might be good people, um, but there are a number of them who are very, very concerning. So we're going to report on the concerning ones. I want to report on one that I think is very interesting. And then I want to give you kind of a um, a takeaway. So let's start here. A notable inclusion is that the Bishop Stephen Chow S.J., notice Jesuits, of the Diocese of Hong Kong, appointed by Francis to lead that diocese in 2021, Chow has gone on record as looking forward to the day the Catholic Church might, quote, ordain women to the diaconate or the priesthood. That's very concerning. Why would you want to have someone who is a prince of the church who wants that? It says here from LifeSite News, but Chow has also heavily promoted a cause close to Pope Francis's heart, namely the secretive Vatican-China deal. While both Francis and Cardinal Secretary of State Pietro Perlin have continually defended the deal, Emeritus Bishop Hong Kong Cardinal Joseph Zinn has repeatedly criticized it in very strong terms. He described the agreement as an, quote, incredible betrayal, end quote, of China's Catholics and accused the Vatican of selling out Chinese Catholics. Now, that's very, very concerning, especially since who was the one who began the secretive Vatican-China deal? Who was the one sent to China to negotiate the deal to begin with? Anybody know? Any takers? That's a good question. Tucho? It would be Cardinal McCarrick. Oh, that's right. Cardinal that's right. Theodore McCarrick, or I should say former Cardinal former Theodore McCarrick. Cardinal. He was the one who was sent to China to negotiate the secretive Vatican-China deal until he was found out to be a pedophile and a sodomite and an abuser this is the man that was sent to do that and who helped promote it and who helped do this. Well, Cardinal, the soon to be Cardinal Chow will be the person appointed to defend those positions and is a close relationship with the Chinese Communist Party. And that's someone that we want to promote. That's someone that we want to appoint as Cardinal. I guess someone might say, well, Pope Francis doesn't know that. Oh, he really, knows a lot. Really? You really think Pope Francis doesn't know who his cardinals are? He's a Jesuit. He's smart. Yeah, he's a smart guy. I would never accuse Pope Francis of being a fool, 
Um, he does what he's intending to do. He's doing exactly what he wants. Now, this other bishop, very concerning. And let me ask you, are you sending your kids to World Youth Day? Are you help funding World Youth Day? Are you going to send an, a delegate to World Youth Day? I'm very curious what your thoughts about World Youth Day are, because here is something that's concerning. And what could be described as a return favor for his role in the upcoming World Youth Day in Lisbon, Bishop Americo Manuel Alves Aguiar, the Auxiliary Bishop of Lisbon and organizer of the 2023 event, has been included in the list. Oh, goodness. The 49-year-old prelate previously served as a council member of his local socialist party between 1994 and in 1997. This is the guy who is the organizer for the 2023 World Youth Day event. So let me ask you again. Are you going to be letting someone go to World Youth Day that you love? Are you helping pay for it? Are you funding it? Is your diocese funding it? Are you going to be going yourself? Well, let Just know that there is going to be a bishop who is the organizer who was a council member on his local socialist party. Now, if that's not concerning enough, someone might say, oh, but, you know, it's good that he was there because he was probably promoting Catholic ideas in the Socialist Party, trying to mitigate the damage that they're going to do. Okay, maybe that's true. I doubt it. I highly doubt it. But let's just, let's just give you the benefit of the doubt there. However, here's another thing he says. In a recently surfaced video clip, Aguiar's approach to conversion efforts has been highlighted. As a World Youth Day organizer explained, the purpose of the international event, citing Pope Francis's Fratelli Tutti, he says, quote, enjoy being with each other. And in the end, we joined hands and said, I think differently. I feel differently. I organize my life differently. But we are brothers and we are going to build the future together. This is the main message of the encounter with the living Christ that the Pope wants to offer young people. We don't want to convert people to Christ or to the Catholic Church or anything like that. Absolutely. Those are the words of the organizer for World Youth Day. Let me ask you again. Are you going to go? Are you going to be funding it? Are you going to send someone that you love there? Is your diocese funding it? This is the bishop, a bishop who is a council member in his local socialist party, a bishop who says that he does not want to convert people. He does not want to convert people not to Christ, not to the Catholic Church, or anything like that. How? How can a bishop of the church say something like that? How can he profess the ideas of the Freemasons, this idea of egalitarianism, this idea of tolerance? I think differently. I feel differently. I organize my life differently. But we are brothers. No, the only person who is my brother is the people who are sons of Our Lady, are children of Mary. If you are not a child of Mary, you are no brother of mine. If you're not a child of Mary, you're no sister of mine. No. We have a missionary mandate by Christ, and no one can tell us otherwise. Correct. No bishop, no cardinal, no document can tell us that Christ was wrong when he said that our mission is to go out and evangelize, baptizing all nations, and teaching them everything that I have commanded you. That is the commandment of our Lord, and I take his commandments greater than yours. Now, as of October 1st, Pope Francis will have appointed 99 of the 137 cardinal electors then eligible to vote. The consistory will take place just prior to the month-long Synod of Synodality meeting, which is going to run from October 4th to 29th. 
So notice, the Cardinals will become in effect October 1st, and then October 4th, the Synod on Synodality begins and runs to the end of the month. So what does that tell you? That tells me that they're setting it up so that everyone who has the quote-unquote authority in the church is going to be able to tell you, this is what the church is saying, and this is where we're going. Hmm. Very, very concerning situation that we see here. Now, I think the uh, there's two things here. There are two things here that a lot of different commentators are making about this. And many people, in response to this absolute scandal of Bishop Fernandez and these other cardinals have been appointed, many people have fallen into this idea that Pope Francis is not the Pope. They say because of these things, Pope Francis is not the Pope, that he has lost the seat of Peter. Now, I understand the position. I understand wanting to think that. I understand that it would make life easier. And I understand that people are very emotional about this. However, these are not reasons to deny the papacy or at least to deny that Pope Francis is the Pope, because you can deny Pope Francis the Pope while still affirming the papacy. I don't blame people who think this. I have friends who think this, and I understand. It's a very hard situation. It's a very concerning situation, and it's absolutely heartbreaking to anyone who loves Christ and his church and anyone who loves the papacy. And so the answer, though, is that this is not reasons to deny the papacy or to deny the Pope. The reason why I say that is because if you were to deny that Pope Francis is the Pope because of these horrific decisions that he's made, well, then you have to deny the Popes during the pornocracy because those Popes were appointing people who were evil, very wicked people, people who were, who were murderers, people who had orchestrated murders, people who had defrauded people, usurers. They had appointed people who had children out of wedlock. Well, obviously out of wedlock, they were bishops. They did all those kind of things. In fact, the popes themselves were having kids in the Vatican. A very bad situation. Why do I bring this up? Because the popes can do wicked things and still be pope. They still have the choice of being wicked and evil. To the point so that Michelangelo drew and painted popes in hell. That's right. And Dante in his Inferno put popes in hell. So we know that it is part of the Christian tradition that you're not condemned by the church to say that a pope is leading souls to hell and a pope himself is going to hell. That is not against the church. Many, many people, in fact, we talked before about a pope who condemned his predecessor, threw his body in the Tiber, dug him up, and threw his skeleton into the Tiber River. This can happen. It's happened in the past, and it can happen today. Now, the question of the whether or not Pope Francis is the Pope, the only reason, and I think this is why this is concerning to me, is because the reason why St. Robert Bellarmine gives for why a Pope might be able to lose his office is typically the reason of heresy. If a Pope promulgates heresy, well, it is said that he loses his office. Now, the question is, though, these decisions, why is it that these decisions of him appointing cardinals, why is that the reason why you would think that he's no longer the Pope? Because really those are not reasons for him to not be Pope. Now, if it was because of things that you said were heresy, well, then we can look at those things. We can look at those things and we can try to see whether or not that precludes him from being Pope. 
But to say that it's because of these appointments, while these are scandalous and absolutely horrific, these are not reasons to deny that he is Pope. And I think the reason why that people are starting to wake up and say this is very bad is because for the longest time, many, many Catholic outlets, many, many Catholic commentators were coming out and saying, no, Pope Francis is not bad. No, Pope Francis just doesn't know better. He's not aware of who these bishops are. He doesn't know who these theologians are. He doesn't know who Father James Martin is. No, 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 these documents, yes, they're unclear, but they may not. Be, they may be unclear, but it's because Pope Francis is not a theologian. He's not that smart. He's not well-educated in theology. His degree was in other things. And so he's just being imprecise. You have to interpret it with a hermeneutic of continuity. And I think that whenever all these things came out, in the last few days, the last couple weeks, people are saying, oh, well, maybe Pope Francis does know what he's talking about. Maybe Pope Francis intends to do what he's saying. Maybe he means what he's saying. And I think that's what's causing people to freak out a little bit. But I don't think that that makes Pope Francis not the Pope. And maybe we should do a whole show on the um, on the set of a contest thesis. Yeah. And maybe that's worthy of, of a conversation because it is very concerning. It is something, and I, and I don't denigrate people. I don't think someone is absolutely ignorant or dumb for believing this. I think it's something that should be entertained and that we should, in fact, debate. Because this is very concerning. And I don't think by casting people inside and saying, no, you're not Catholic because you believe that, I don't think that's going to convince anyone. I don't think anybody is going to be convinced by that. So instead, let's engage in the argument. Let's engage in the discussion. And let's see where it leads us. But at the end of the day, I'm just a layman. I'm waiting for a cardinal to speak out authoritatively. But right now, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. We'll be right back with more after this. For victory in life, we've got to keep focused on the goal. And the goal is heaven. The key to winning is choosing to do God's will and love others with all you've got. Sacrifice, discipline, and prayer are essential. We gain strength through God's word. We receive grace from the sacraments. And when we fumble due to sin, and it's going to happen, confession puts us back on the field. So if you haven't been going to Mass Weekly, get back in the game. We're saving your seat on the starting bench this Sunday. Welcome home. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your only daughter met a fine young man who was a committed Mormon. She now wants to join his church. What's your answer? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a reason for no. Doctrinal positions such as the deity of Jesus and the Trinity. Your reason for yes. You deem seemingly moral character as superseding biblical truth. Secondly, orthodoxy. Your answer is probably no. But how and why? Your resistance to Mormon doctrine does not just come straight down from the Bible. It comes from the first five centuries of brilliant theologians, bishops, and popes. These Catholics wrote, debated, and fought for truth. Example, in 250 A.D., 311, and 417, three different popes excommunicated three different heretics, Sibelius, Arius, and Pelagius. They denied the Trinity, the eternal deity of Jesus, or taught that human effort warranted salvation. Would your pastor excommunicate a heretic? Well, unfortunately, your pastor can only remove someone from his local congregation. But that's okay. That guy will probably end up being welcomed to church down the street. I actually was gone from the Catholic Church for 35 years. I want to get to heaven. I don't know if I will. I mean, I worry about it. But I not only want to get to heaven at the moment of my death, I want to find as much heaven as possible here on earth. So I need help. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. 
the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Shining the light of truth on the path of salvation. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Father Preston Cantella from Our Lady of Perpetual Help in Sweeney and St. John the Apostle in West Columbia. You're listening to the AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. It's a big no bueno situation. But, however, there are still good bishops out there. For instance, Bishop Athanasius Snyder is a great bishop, a wonderful bishop. And he has actually put out a, an interview, and I think it was, it's worthy of a read. It was an interview with Julian Kwasniewski, and I thought it was very encouraging. It was very encouraging to hear a bishop talk like a bishop. So I want to read a little bit of this, um, this interview. So Julian starts off the conversation telling him, asking him the question about modern society, about how horrible modern society is. And he says, sometimes there is a controversy among conservative Catholics as to whether or not it is legitimate to continue living in the modern world with a missionary spirit. That maybe it's time for us to get a dodge is basically what he's saying. And so what does Bishop Athanasius Snyder say? Well, His Excellency says, Our Lord sent the apostles to go to all nations and to preach the gospel. In those days, most, most of the nations were immersed in a pagan and often immoral public life. St. Paul admonished the first Christians not to withdraw to a rural area, but to give witness in the midst of a corrupted world. Be blameless and sincere children of God without reproof in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. The mission of the church and of Christendom consists in the words of our Lord being the light of the, of the world and a city seated on a mountain that cannot be hid. And the mission of the church consists in conquering the entire world for Christ and establishing his social kingship without fearing the widespread moral corruption of a concrete society. The words of the letter to Diognetus from the early church dated around the end of the second century remains memorial and timely. It is worthwhile to quote the following large section. Now here's the quote for you. He quotes, Christians are indistinguishable from other men, either by nationality, language, or customs. They do not inhabit separate cities of their own, or speak a strange dialect, or follow some outlandish way of life. Their teaching is not based upon reveries inspired by the curiosity of men unlike some other people they champion no purely human doctrine with regard to dress food and manner of life in general they follow the customs of whatever city they happen to be living in whether it is greek or foreign and yet there is something extraordinary about their lives they live in their own countries as though they were only passing through they play their full role as citizens but labor under all the disabilities of aliens. Any country can be their homeland, but for them, 
their homeland, wherever it may be, is as foreign country. Like others, they marry and have children, but they do not expose them. They share their meals, but not their wives. They live in the flesh, but they are not governed by the desires of the flesh. They pass their days upon earth, but they are citizens of heaven. Obedient to the laws, they yet live on a level that transcends the law. Christians love all men, but all men persecute them. Condemned because they are not understood, they are put to death, but raised to life again. They live in poverty, but enrich many. They are totally destitute, but possess an abundance of everything. They suffer dishonor, but that is their glory. They are defamed, but vindicated. A blessing is their answer to abuse. Deference their response to insult. For the good they do, they receive the punishment of malefactors. But even then, they rejoice as though receiving the gift of life. They are attacked by the Jews as an alien. They are persecuted by the Greeks. Yet no one can explain the reason for this hatred. To speak in general terms, we may say that the Christian is to the world what the soul is to the body. Indeed, Catholicism has never chosen a kind of Amish method, according to which Amish Christians groups seek to maintain a degree of separation from the non-Amish world. Now, I think this is very interesting. I think this is very good to meditate upon. Because think about it. Our own lives. How do we dress? We should dress better than the culture. But we should not dress in a weird ways. For instance, it would be strange if I decided to show up and walk around inside of wearing a, uh, a feathered hat or wearing some of those uh, fancy outfits that they wore in the Middle Ages. That would be very weird. It would be very strange. Yeah. And so I wear a suit. Why do I wear a suit? Because it is, it is dignified wear. It is formal wear. It is, it, is, it is modest wear that is according to the customs of our time. And so I'm not going to wear this massive outfit that seems ridiculous to our times, but I'm also not going to wear the degenerate outfits of today. I'm not going to wear the short shorts, these kind of outfits that modern man is wearing. And the same thing goes for women. No one is asking women to put on a corset and wear a three-piece outfit that goes on, that is massive hoop skirts when they walk around. No one is asking of that. No one's asking to wear a powdered wig. But you have, we have to dress modestly in the culture. We have to dress modestly, but according to the customs of our time. And so this is a very important thing to, to keep in balance within themselves. Tito, you wanted to say something? Yeah, the, I, I think uh, what you're touching upon is right. Uh, in, in general, overall, you, you know, what we wear says a lot about us. It says a lot about our, our culture. And, and I know some people may be thinking, well, Adrian, why? You wear a suit. You wear a suit to everything. Yes, he wears a suit to everything. He he's trying to affect the culture. We, the Catholic, the Catholic Church, we change the culture. We do not allow the culture to change us. That's what the Catholic Church does. We created Christendom. We created the the building blocks of Western civilization. There would be no science. There would be no philosophy. There would be no freedom of speech and freedom of religion if it wasn't for for Catholic concepts and principles. It's, it's the Catholic Church that has brought all this about. And so when you want to be like the culture, like this bishop from Portugal that says we should not be converting people to the Catholic faith, that, that is somebody who is lost to the culture, whatever his mm -hmm. motives may be, you know? For sure, for yeah. sure. 
And and like you said, yeah, the uh, one card, this cardinal, this future cardinal, is saying don't teach the gospel. And Bishop Athanasius Eider says, no, we do what our Lord says, and we go out, and we not have an Amish method, but instead we go out and save souls. Yes. Now Julian asked the next question here. He said, okay, well, what about this? You think? Do you think that the rapid rise of gender ideology in the past five years has fundamentally changed the climate of secular society? To the point that families ought not expose themselves to these situations? And his response, I think, is very telling. He says, Catholic parents must protect their children from moral depravity, which in our day has penetrated almost all public and government schools in the Western world. The solution is not to withdraw completely from society, but to create our own safe spaces, homeschooling, Catholic private schools, youth associations, systematic training, formation courses, or meeting for young and adult, young for youth and adults, public marches and pilgrimages. So what is he saying here? He's saying we don't run off to the corner of the desert and set up a little uh, Catholic compound in the middle of nowhere. But yes, we have to have safe spaces for our children and for the raising and rearing of adults. It has to happen. Otherwise, they're going to be lost. If we send our, our children to these universities when they teach false philosophies, it's no wonder that the, our children are going to be all lost or they're going to fall into the LGBT heresy. And so then Julian asked him, what is your view of modern technology? Do you think that it's a good ascetic and spirituality, spiritually beneficial practice for Catholics to reduce or abandon it altogether? Or what is the balance? He says the tools of modern technology are not evil in themselves, but often abused for evil. The Christian virtue consists in making good use of modern technology. In this consists the cardinal virtue of prudence and above all of temperance. It is easier to abandon altogether, for example, the use of a smartphone or of the internet rather than to use them with the virtue of temperance, but to provide us with supernatural merits. It is important that people should give preference if they have the choice to a direct and physical communication rather than using online or virtual communication. Catholics must promote the culture of concreteness, visibility, and common sense. Such a Catholic culture reflects a deeper truth of God's incarnation, the incarnational method. Now, I think this is very good because in one sense, he's saying, yeah, I mean, if you give it up completely, it's probably be better for you. But the idea is prudence and temperance. So you have to understand, can you use your stuff responsibly? Can you use technology responsibly? Like, for instance, your phone, your social media. I know, for instance, I'm on social media way too much to the point that I decided I'm just going to get social media off my phone, and I'm only on social media on my computer. Nice. And this has helped me to reduce the use of my social media use. So we have to be temperance. We have to be prudent. It's very, very important. And I love what he said here, that... Our faith is an incarnational faith. And whenever we have and try to create culture, we have to have an incarnational method. We cannot create culture with technology. It does not happen. It's not real. It will not be culture. So that's very, very important to keep in mind. I recommend checking out the entirety of this interview because he goes on and a number of points that I think will be very, very helpful for people, especially living during this very concerning time that people are are overwhelmed with confusion and they're looking for a bishop to lead us and i think that 
Mitch Matthew Snyder gives great answers to the problems of our culture. And he talks about many of the issues as they are, this goes on. And I think one thing he mentions here, that is the last thing I'll mention here, is this last question about male headship. He says, recently, several authors have newly addressed the idea of patriarchy and male headship, trying to promote a return to correct understanding of the role of the sexes. How can a restoration of a conception of patriarchy as something which ennobles, protects, and serves women be accomplished? He says, the true concept of patriarchy is the Catholic one, not the pagan or worldly one. The male headship in marriage and family is based on the order of creation. Through original sin, the order of creation was deeply wounded, and with it also the male headship in marriage and family, infecting it with egocentric and proud vice of lust for power. Through the graces of redemption, especially the sacrament of marriage, Christ heals this wound in the soul of a man and his headship in marriage and the family can become like the fatherhood of God and the redemptive love of Christ the Savior. The teaching of St. Paul in this regard is a luminous guide and a constant appeal to each husband and father. Men have to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself, for no man ever hates his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, as also Christ does the church. A wife whose husband truly loves and respects her will never feel demeaned by the headship of her husband. He is the head, but she is the heart. Both depend complementarily on each other. Where there is the heartless power of the head, there is tyranny and spiritual coldness. Where there is the irrational power of the heart, there is disorder and spiritual unsteadiness. I thank Bishop Athanasius Snyder for this interview because, yes, this is something that's very concerning. We read, for instance, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, that Christ is the head of man and man is the head of woman. And this is why that St. Paul says that women should veil in the church. Because he says that man and woman is the glory of man, and man is the glory of God. And for that reason, women should veil. That's what St. Paul says, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And I think that's very important. And we read that, and we understand the proper ordering of society. For if we disorder society, what are we doing? We are being revolutionaries. Because revolution is disorder. And a counter-revolution is the restoration of order. And so we desire to be counter-revolutionaries. We desire to have a restoration of order. Amen. And by restoration of order, we mean a restoration of Christian civilization. And that can only happen by order being out in every aspect of life. So we're going to go into our game show, Fear and Trembling. You can call now, 877-757-9424-877-757-9424. Call now. We're going to be giving away a replica of the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence plus some other goodies. Call now, 877-757-9424. We always take the first caller, so you can call in and be that first caller, 877-757-9424. Last time, 877-757-9424. We'll be right back with Fear and Trembling right after this. Remember, you could win. Hello. 
is the seed least with your one minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. According to 1 Corinthians 11, receiving communion in an unworthy manner can result in sickness and or death. If communion is simply wafer and juice as opposed to body and blood, doesn't the possibility of sickness and death just seem a little over the top? So here's the three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. First off, in the Bread of Life discourse in John 6, Jesus says, He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me and I in him. Note, he said drink my blood. He did not say drink my wine or grape juice. Well, no commentary needed there. Secondly, you going to walk? The disciples did not walk away from Jesus over a symbolic teaching of body and blood. They walked over how literally Jesus was teaching them. Also, they did not walk over the idea that feeding on Christ's body and blood is feeding on the Bible. No, no, no. And thirdly, your new response. My Catholic friend, when you are asked, hey, have you received Christ? Your answer is yes, every Sunday at Mass. That's how I know objectively that Christ is in me. All my life, I was searching for something that seemed to be just one step away. Perfect soulmate, the ideal job, that big adventure. And just when I thought I found what I was missing, I realized that I was never really fulfilled. Then I discovered what I was searching for was really faith in God and belonging to a church. You can find what you've been searching for too. Come and see at CatholicsComeHome.com. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and trembling where we give out prizes and you could win. Now, you may be asking, what am I coming into? What is going on here? What am I listening to? I just tuned in and I'm very confused. What was that fanfare? Well, you're listening to Fear and Trembling, our Catholic trivia game show. And here I have three Catholic trivia questions. However, the trick is I'm not going to ask you the questions. So you don't even need to know the answers because I'm not going to ask you. I'm going to ask Tito the questions, and Tito is going to give me an answer. And your job is to tell me whether or not Tito is trying to trick you or whether or not he is telling the truth. That is your job, and every right answer will go into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Tito, what can they win? Thank you, Adrian. They can win a fear and trembling prize for today is the CDT prize pack, which includes a Catholic drive time mug signed by you, Adrian, me, Tito, and Taylor. Including two books by Fulton Sheen. They are The Seven Last Words and Holy Hour. Only you can play if you call in, and I think we have a caller. Oh, very good, very good. So make sure, if you would like to be on the show this week, uh, since we have a caller on right now, make sure you write that number down for tomorrow, because we're giving away the prize this Friday. And you could be the winner, and the way you do that, you call in 877 877- Seven five seven nine four two four. Make sure you write that number down. Put it on your speed dial so that you could be the first caller because we always take the first caller. So make sure you do that, and you would have up to three entries into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize, which I gotta say, a pretty cool prize, I may say. Now joining us right now is Tino. Good morning to you, Tino. Hey, Dream. How are you? Uh, good morning. Praise be to God. I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. 
Praise be to God. Uh, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Austin. Austin, Texas. Praise be to God. I don't think we've ever had an Austin caller before. That's pretty cool. Um, how are you listening to us? I'm listening to you guys via uh, in. Through tune in, very good. Praise be to God. That's amazing. Because I was thinking, in. I was thinking, man, I don't think we even have a radio station, uh, a tower in Austin. in Austin. So that's pretty awesome. Very great. Praise be to God. I think you deserve a, just a small little bit of an applause uh, for calling in from uh, outside of uh, our uh, towers. So praise yes. be to God um, for tuning in, and thanks for letting me know where you're calling in from. And so the great uh, city of Austin. Haven't been there in a little while. Same here. Um, but what's your what's your favorite thing to do in Austin? Or what is your favorite thing generally in Austin? Um, I go to uh, my terrace, which which is uh, five minutes away from my house, and that's what I mainly do. So, well, there you go. You know, I'm a I'm a reaver to the face. So, well, yay! Well, welcome back. Yes, welcome back. We love to have you, and it's a it's a grace, God's grace, and Our Lady's grace has worked on you, and we are happy to hear it. Praise be to God. Now, Tino, are you familiar with the game? Do you know how to play? I sure am. Then very good. Then you know that Tito can be tricky sometimes. you got to tune in your ears. Tune your ears carefully because who knows how tricky that Tito can be. You might want to make sure that you're ready. But I'm sure you're going to get these right. You sound like a man of great wisdom, uh, so I'm sure that you're going to do excellent. Are you ready to play? Yes, I am. All righty, let's jump into it. Question number one. Let's do this. Yes. The question on the board is, what is the significance of Christ being called the Alpha and the Omega? Christ was called that because he started the new fraternity for priests. Oh, and that was called Alpha and Omega? Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's crazy. That is nuts. I know. That, yeah. I think that's what inspired the uh, Greek system on the college campus. Interesting. Were you part of a, uh, in the in the Greek system? No. Nope, nope, nope. Yeah. I got, I was in the... Uh, I tried. I was in the honor society nice. for theater uh-huh. and for communications. Good for in you. Those societies. That's your uh, major. Ask me if I remember the names of the Greek three letters. <laughs> the answer is no. I do not. I do not. <laughs> Zeta, beta, uh, And it wasn't even that long ago. It was only a few years <laughs> 40, ago. Five years. Four yeah. years ago. That's right. <laughs> and, I, and I still already forgotten the names like Alpha Psi, Alpha Psi Omega. I I have no idea. I have no clue. All righty, Tino. We have gone completely off topic. Yeah. The question on the board is, what is the significance of Christ being called the Alpha and Omega? Uh, Tito seems to think that it is the beginning of the first Greek life, uh, an Alpha and Omega, the fraternity of priests. Uh, what say you, Tino? I'm going to say false. He's going to say false. He's like, not nah, Tito's wrong. Let's see. And that is correct. Is uh, no, our, our Lord did not start Greek life. No, he no. did not. <laughs> <laughs> no, instead, the correct answer is that Alpha and Omega symbolize the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet, symbolizing the beginning and the end. Our Lord is the beginning and the end, so He is the Alpha and the Omega. Uh, but I'm sure you knew that, Tino. Correct? Yes. Amen. Of Amen. Yeah, he was confident in that very response. Yeah, yeah, he had no hesitation. He was like, None. no false. Wrong. Tito the Tricky cannot get me. 
Uh, so he's uh, so far one for one, 100% success rate. Yes. All right, Tino, are you ready for question number two? Yes, I am. Well, let's do it. Question number two. What chain of events do the Stations of the Cross depict? The chain of events that the Stations of the Cross depict are along the Via Dolorosa. It's the passion. It's his trip, his journey on to Calvary and oh. ultimately his death on the crucifix. Oh, wow. On the cross. Wow. Yes. Very interesting. Yes. I was thinking it was going to be something like, I don't know, um, station. Sounds like a, I'm thinking radio or maybe a fire station. Fire, I was, yes. at first I was thinking train station. Oh, train station. Yeah. yeah well, we like transportation. I like trains. Yeah. Um, I do too. Haven't really ridden too many of them though. Like maybe like twice. We need uh, more. What are we talking about? Anyway, oh, the yeah. question on the board. <laughs> 15 seconds on the clock, Dino. The question on the board is, what chain of events do the Stations of the Cross depict? Tito seems to think that it's Jesus' journey to Calvary and ultimately his crucifixion. What say you, Tino, from Austin, Texas, listening on TuneIn? I'm going to say Tito is telling the truth. He's telling the truth, he says. And Tito is not lying to you, he says. And that is true. It is correct. Tito is not trying to trick you this time. No, he's, uh, he is being he's being truthful. You you can in fact call him a truther. A truther. He is a truther, not a liar. <laughs> not a liar, I'm but a truther, a truther, baby. There you go. <laughs> All right. How do you feel so far, Tino? You got two for two. I'm feeling pretty good right now. Praise be to God. I would Praise be too to if I were you. And it's, that's a uh, that's a so far a 100% success rate. I'm I'm thinking that you're going to get three for three. Now, this last question, mm, I think you might get it. I'm, I'm looking at it. it. It could be tricky, but I'm thinking you're going to get it. I think you're wise enough to be able to get this question. All right, you ready for question number three? I sure am. He sure is. Let's okay. jump into it. Question number three, Tito. Okay. What do you call it? I keep saying what, like the, the guy, the troll on the bridge from Monty Python. Yeah, uh, yes, yeah. that's right. I, 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 that keeps, uh, for some reason, that pops in my head, and he's like, "What is your favorite color?" No, it's like that's. Anyway, that's just a side note. Do you it's, mean a European or an African swallow? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, see, so, so the question on the board. Now I've got it completely distracted. I, I need to stay on task. Stay on task. Focus, young uh, son. The, the question is: What do you call a person who has taken solemn vows and lives in a monastery? Monastery. Well, uh, I know there's people in habits that live in monastery. So they have habits. Yeah, they have. They wear habits and they have habits. Oh wow! Yeah, highly structured, uh, beautiful place to live if that's your calling and uh, one way to get into heaven. But I'll, to get to the point, monks come from monasteries. Oh, you're saying hence monks. the word monk, and, okay. and nuns also. But I don't know why they're not called nunks. Nunks. So you're saying uh, a monks and nuns? Yes, monks okay. and nuns. Okay. And where does nun the word nun come from? That's interesting. I have no idea. I don't yeah. know the etymology of nun. Actually, that's a good question. Nuns. But maybe we'll answer that in the after show. Yes. The question on the board: 
the, we have the question on the board. I've been so distracted right now. Uh, Tino from Austin, Texas, 15 seconds on the clock. The question is, what do you call a person who has taken solemn vows and lives in a monastery? Tito says it's a monk or a nun. What say you, Tino, and from Austin, Texas? I'm going to say Tito is telling the truth once again. Is he allowed to say the truth twice in Thank a row? Thank you for believing in me. Well, let's find out. That oh! is correct. That is true. That is true, Tino. He did tell the truth twice in a row. Can you believe it? I know. Two times he told the truth. I am trembling. trembling. Uh, so how do you feel, Tino? How, what do you think? How do you think you did? I feel pretty good. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. So now you know at least uh, 60% of the time you can trust Tito. Uh, maybe uh, oh, yeah. maybe thirty three percent of the time he's probably lying to you, uh, but now you know. Now you can keep your ears tuned, and you'll be better for the next time you play. Uh, but God bless you, Tino, and God love you. Have a blessed day. Oh, thank you, Adrian. You too. God bless you, Tino and Taylor. Thank Absolutely. You, and make sure you stay on the line. Don't yes. hang up. We're going to put you on hold so that way we can get your contact information. So that way we can give you a call and uh, make sure that we give you the prize should we draw your name out on Friday. Okay, thank you. Will do. All right, putting you on hold. And that's going to do it for the radio side. We're going to hop off. We've been on Guadalupe Radio Network and Catholic Spirit Radio. And I keep forgetting to give them a shout-out at the beginning of the show. I need to remember. I need to make a note. Taylor, remind me of that. that we have to make that note. But that's going to do it for the radio side. If you can join us in the after show, you can. Feel free to hop on to Catholic Drive Time YouTube channel, Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey, Twitter, Hop on with us. We'd love to have a conversation with you. But if not, we'll see you back here tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network and Catholic Spirit Radio. God bless you. God love you. And hopefully, we'll see you in the after show. But if not, we'll see you very soon nonetheless. So God love you. And remember, no matter what happens, despite of it all, Christ is risen. Truly, he is risen. Alleluia. Alleluia. We'll be right back. for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. ...of the SALT community. For more information, visit salt.net or ourladyofcorpuschristi.org. Today we celebrate Wednesday of the 14th week in Ordinary Time. This Holy Sacrifice of the Mass is being offered for all those listening in on the Guadalupe Radio Network and all of our online viewers. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Oh,
my soul praise him for he is thy health and salvation join the great throng psaltery organ and song sounding in glad adoration in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of god and the communion of the holy spirit be with you all and with your spirit let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries i confess to, to almighty god, god and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Let us pray. O God, who in the basement of your Son have raised up a fallen world, Fill your faithful with holy joy, for on those you have rescued from slavery to sin, you bestow eternal gladness. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. A reading from the book of Genesis. When hunger came to be felt throughout the land of Egypt, and the people cried to Pharaoh for bread, Pharaoh directed all the Egyptians to go to Joseph and do whatever he told them. When the famine had spread throughout the land, Joseph opened all the cities that had grain and rationed it to the Egyptians, since the famine had gripped the land of Egypt. In fact, all the world came to Joseph to obtain rations of grain, for famine had gripped the whole world. The sons of Israel were among those who came to procure rations. It was Joseph, as governor of the country, who dispensed the rations to all the people. When Joseph's brothers came and knelt down before him with their faces to the ground, he recognized them as soon as he saw them. But Joseph concealed his own identity from them and spoke sternly to them. With that, he locked them up in the guardhouse for three days. On the third day, Joseph said to his brothers, Do this, and you shall live, for I am a God-fearing man. If you have been honest, only one of your brothers need to be confined in this prison, while the rest of you may go and take home provisions for your starving families. But you must come back to me with your youngest brother. Your words will thus be verified, and you will not die. To this they agreed. To one another, however, they said, Alas, we are being punished because of our brother. 
We saw the anguish of his heart when he pleaded with us, yet we paid no heed. That is why this anguish has come upon us. Reuben broke in. Did I not tell you not to do wrong to the boy, but you would not listen? Now comes the reckoning for his blood. The brothers did not know, of course, that Joseph understood what they said, since he spoke with them through an interpreter. But turning away from them, he wept. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. Give thanks to the Lord on the harp. With the ten-string lyre, chant his praises. Sing to him a new song. Pluck the strings skillfully with shouts of gladness. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. The Lord brings to naught the plans of nations. He foils the designs of peoples. But the plan of the Lord stands forever, the design of his heart through all generations. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. But see, the eyes of the Lord are upon those who fear him, upon those who hope in his kindness, to deliver them from death and preserve them in spite of famine. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to cure every disease and every illness. The names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon Pete called Peter and his brother Andrew, James the son of Zebedee and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Canaan and Judas Iscariot who betrayed Jesus. Jesus sent out these twelve after instructing them thus, do not go into pagan territory or enter a Samaritan town. Go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, make this proclamation. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. There was a woman who came to one of the healing retreats here at Our Lady of Corpus Christi and she had an astonishing report after the retreat was over. She said, I, for 54 years of my life, I've been struggling to understand or to deal with uh, sexual abuse that I had when I was a, a child. I didn't really know 
how to deal with it, it, it always seemed to have mastery over me. But at this retreat, I learned, uh, I experienced a great deal of healing from it. And I asked her how that happened, what, what the process is. And for us here in, in the healing retreat, this is not an uncommon thing to happen. It's very common. It becomes very common. And she explained um, the process that first thing she, she saw was to be able to read her deepest tragedy as a means of God being able to reach through her woundedness, through evil itself, through sin itself, and bring new life. And that is what the story of you know, Joseph in Egypt is. Famine is turned into food. Death is turned into life. Tragedy is turned into triumph. And this is, uh, you know, the way this happens is, first of all, reading the Old Testament in light of Jesus. You, you read that, that Jesus was the one sold for 30 pieces of silver, not just Joseph. Jesus is the one who turned the famine of human uh, the human condition into a glorious uh, feast. He turned all of our sins into the very by means by which we proclaim the Holy Gospel, the Gospel of Freedom. And he does that with the church. He didn't just do it with 12 apostles a long time ago. He does it every day. He does it in your life and my life every day. And in order to see that, we have to read the Old Testament in light of the New and the New Testament in light of our time. This rereading of our own story is very critical. The second thing that she said happened was she received a new understanding of the sacraments. To, to see the sacraments as a means of Jesus, his ministry today, now and here, acting in, her, in your life. The sacrament of mercy, of confession, if you use it properly, if you understand what it does, is it's a proclamation to you that your woundedness is not the end, but at the beginning of the life of conversion, the life of daily holiness, to which Christ daily invites you to become holy. Mercy is the foundation of sanctity. Saints are built by being forgiven. And Nothing is more eloquent than someone who's, someone's life who has been touched by the gospel. And most especially, the most holy Eucharist. The love of God present in the Eucharist is the only thing that can really truly give you the courage to go beyond yourself, to see your deepest tragedy, your trauma, in the light of God's triumph. It's the only way, it's the love of God present in the Eucharist. And a couple other things that are just practical, uh, of, of that teach us how to do this whole process of what we call appropriation or applying Jesus to the particular woundedness of your life, the, the story of your life, just practical things. Humility. Humility is by which the, the, the blind begin to see, the arrogance and the, the wounded pride, the self-pity that we have in our life gets turned into sight and vision by which you can actually see God faith, that you believe God is acting in your life, not only that, you believe his power is going to do something great with what you give him. And then detachment, not to get too sucked into this or that aspect of your life, but to remain open, that you can be detached from 
uh, everything that's, that's uh, around you. That is not to say that there is a very real and difficult and painful transformation of the human aspect of suffering. And this is probably the most difficult for most people. And here there's three things. God, through prayer, you encounter God and you pray a lot and you ask God to show you. God's friends, community, life, the church, friends are the ones that help you bear the burden of daily life and also through the love that they have for you, just showing you how to navigate through big and difficult things. And finally, God's mother, the Virgin Mary. She is the ultimate one who was with Jesus who, during his moment of human trial and difficulty so that she was also with him in his moment of triumph, of, of victory. And if we do all of these things, we would be like this woman where we would hear a name called like the apostles and hear our, ourselves sent to proclaim to others. Now, since this is about two years ago that this woman came here and she sends all these people here all the time. Uh, she sends people for healing and, you know, they, they, they ask, they come to her in, in trial and difficulty and while she says, well, you, you need healing, you need to conversion, you need to see, you need to reread your tragedy into God's triumph. May the prayers of our Blessed Mother Mary and the grace and victory of God help us to reread our lives that we may see our woundedness in the light of the gospel. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church, that it may shine forth the splendor of truth, the holiness of God to the nations. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our Holy Father, all bishops and priests, that they may lead the church with wisdom and courage. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For government leaders, that they may not obstruct Christ. We pray for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the increase of vocations to priesthood and religious life, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And we pray for the end of the culture of death, the coming of a civilization of life. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And finally, for all of our beloved dead, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Eternal and blessed Father, we ask you to hear us, for we make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ, and through the powerful intercession of our Mother Mary, as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. All else be not to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought by day or by night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. High King of Heaven, when victory is won, may I reach Heaven's joy 
Brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. May this oblation dedicated to your name purify us, O Lord, and day by day bring our conduct closer to the life of heaven through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit, lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere, to give you thanks. Father most holy, through your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, your word through whom you made all things, whom you sent as our Savior and Redeemer, incarnate by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin, fulfilling your will and gaining for you holy people, he stretched out his hands as he endured his passion, so as to break the bonds of death and manifest the resurrection. And so with angels and all the saints, we declare your glory as with one voice we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Uncelia Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, qui benedict in nomine domini. Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. The time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and giving thanks broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray 
that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be coerced to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Receptus salutaribus moniti et divini institutioni formati, audemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in genis, Sanctivice tuum nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra. Panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis hodie, et emite nobis servita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus, De victoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amahalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. On you stay, quit holy peccata mundi, Miserere nobis, on you stay, quit holis peccata mundi, miserere nobis, on you stay, quit holis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, Lord I, am I am not worthy, worthy that you should enter under my roof, roof but only say, say the word, word and my soul shall be healed. Come to me, all who labor and are burdened, and I will refresh you, says the Lord. 
For those who cannot receive sacramental Holy Communion at this time, we pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the Most Holy Sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Soul of my Savior, sanctify my breast. Body of Jesus, be my saving guest. Blood of my Savior, bind me in thy tide. Wash me, ye waters, gushing from his side. Strength and defend me, may his passion be. O blessed Jesus, hear and answer me. Deep in thy wounds, Lord, hide and shelter me. So shall I never, never part from thee. Let us pray. Grant, we pray, O Lord, that having been replenished by such great gifts, we may gain the prize of salvation and never cease to praise you through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in the peace of Christ. Thanks be to God. Praise my soul, the King of heaven, to his feet thy tribute bring, ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven, evermore his praises sing. Alleluia, alleluia, Praise the everlasting King. Praise Him for His grace and favor to His people in distress. Praise Him still the same as ever, slow to chide and swift to bless. Alleluia, Alleluia, Gloria. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan, and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, 
seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy that thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. My name's Alyssa Vigil from St. Ignatius of 